I'm Jeff Cohen. Joel Kastner received a Jewish day school education, but it didn't match the traditions his family practiced in his home. This school versus home inconsistency led to a long and winding road of exploration about Judaism. And Joel is here today to take us on that journey. Joel, welcome to Saturday to Shabbos. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and share my story with everyone. And before we even start, I realize that sometimes our listeners are wondering how we find our guests for the show. So I just wanted to mention up front that I have a friend in Lakewood who over Hanukkah had invited me down there for a Suda, and you happen to be at the same event as me. So how did you end up there? I was in Yeshiva at the time in, in Long Island, and we had a wedding to go to in Lakewood. And there was over Shabbos Hanukkah, a bunch of guys had never been there before, and I decided it would be fun to do a Shabbaton, so it was all very last minute, and it was cutting it close to the wire. It was that Thursday morning, I think, and we still didn't know where we were going to stay, and a lot of people were out of town for, for Shabbos Hanukkah at the last minute. Somehow it all worked out like things tend to do in our Jewish community, and we found a, a great host for Shabbos, and then we found a, a meal as well with the Lembergs, who were gracious enough to have us for dinner, and then they invited us back, Matzei Shabbos, for a nice Malave Malka, and that's where we met. Right, so little did you know we would meet, and that would lead to today's interview. So let's unwind your story and give our listeners a sense of how your story unfolds and how you end up in yeshiva in the first place. So let's take it from the top and give our listeners a sense of where you were born and raised. Yeah, so I'm from Toronto, Canada, and I grew up at home. We didn't really do too much in the house. We lit the menorah on Hanukkah, maybe two or three of the nights. We would usually do a Passover Seder on the first night. And that's basically it. We didn't even really do too much for for Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, which is kind of strange considering the fact that I was actually sent to Jewish day school for my entire childhood and, and teenage years. So the home life was quite different than how I was being educated just day-to-day in the Jewish school system. So how would you describe your family when you were growing up? Were they reform, conservative? Was there a label on what your Judaism was as a child? There was no real label on it. My family was unaffiliated, but around the time of my bar mitzvah, we started going to a conservative synagogue. My family doesn't really know so much about the tradition, so they were kind of just going with what they felt was uh, a proper kind of light traditional level of religiousness. And they felt comfortable in the, in the conservative shul, and, and that's kind of where we went. But it was more out of practicality than any type of overarching belief system. So take me inside this family decision to send you to a day school, because like I said in the introduction, and you were just alluding to, that would be very uncommon for a family holding religiously where your family was that they would make that decision. So why did you get sent to that kind of school? Yeah, so it was more my mother's decision. Uh, my father grew up a bit more traditional but he didn't necessarily have much of an affinity towards Judaism. He was a bit more on the neutral side. My mother grew up as a Jewish girl in a non-Jewish area of Toronto, and she always felt a bit out of place because she was Jewish, but nobody around her was Jewish, and she was kind of picked on and bullied a bit for her background. And then when she grew up to be a bit older, she did move to a more Jewish area, but she didn't have any Jewish background and her family hadn't really done anything Jewish. So even in the Jewish community, she also felt out of place because she didn't understand what was going on. 
because of that kind of relationship with different type of people, Jews and non-Jews alike, she didn't want my sister and I to have that same level of discomfort as she did. So she wanted us to grow up in, in a Jewish setting where we were around kids who had a similar background as us. So even though she didn't necessarily understand too much about Judaism itself, she thought it was important to at least have some cultural commonalities with the community in which we're, we're growing up. So that's why she made the decision to send my sister and I to day school, just so we would have a bit more of a background. Um, and I would say that she was always a bit more spiritual, but just didn't have the knowledge of Judaism to back it up. So she's been relatively supportive of this whole journey of mine since she's kind of the one that, that got me started on it. So take me inside this idea of being in a day school where your family is not practicing the same things at home. For example, were the kids in the school mostly Orthodox and you were an outlier, or it was a mix of people at different levels and you felt comfortable in the school? It's a mix of different levels. The school I went to, it's kind of difficult to characterize. There were people from all across the spectrum. It's more of an open community school. They do tend to teach with a more modern, Orthodox, traditional type of hashkafa. We had people ranging from Orthodox to Conservative to Reform even, but they would just teach in a more traditional, modern, Orthodox type of way. They were generally accepting of everybody, and we had people from across the spectrum, so even though I didn't really do too much at home, I never really felt too out of place in that regard. Did you have any feelings, though, about things you were learning in school where you would go home and say, hey, mom and dad, I just learned you're supposed to do this on Friday night. Maybe we should try it. Or maybe you're just a kid and you're not thinking it's your job to transform your family. I, I wouldn't even go that far saying it's not my job to transform my family. I just figured this is what we're learning at school. Some people do these things and my family does things a bit differently. And I was just kind of content doing whatever my family did. I never really even thought to implement anything in, in my own life because I kind of knew like everyone has different ways of doing things and it's perfectly fine for different people to have their own different customs. So I never really thought twice about trying to change what we did at home. And what kind of bar mitzvah did you have? Because when I interview people who are, say, conservative or reform, that's one type of bar mitzvah versus what someone who is orthodox would have. So how would you characterize the experience you had when you reached that age? I had a regular bar mitzvah, I think. I spent a year leading up to my bar mitzvah doing classes on how to lane from the Torah. My father would go with me every week to shul on Shabbos. And we would just drive over to our conservative synagogue and do the Shabbos service and have some nice food at the Kiddush. And then we, I would spend some time taking my lessons for learning the Torah. And then when it came time to read the Torah, I actually, it was on a Thursday, I believe, and I learned the entire three aliyahs. And I was called to the Torah to say the brachas for the third aliyah for my bar mitzvah. And then we had a nice Kiddush afterwards. I wasn't so big into all the parties and the attention. I was a bit more of a reserved child, so I, I had some friends go to the laning, but I didn't throw like some extravagant party that a lot of people are and a lot of my classmates tended to do. So in the other folks I've interviewed, when they're conservative or reformed, after they have the bar mitzvah, there's not really something for them to do next. And a lot of times religion mm -hmm. kind of goes on the shelf at that point as they enter the high school years. But for you, you're still in the day school system. So what role is religion playing as you go through those kind of 13 to 18 years? Not too much towards the beginning. For a while, I, I did actually want to keep going to shul. My father would continue to go with me to shul for maybe six months to a year after my bar mitzvah. 
I didn't really change any practices that I did at home. I actually probably stepped down a bit in what I did because from grade one through eight, we actually have a mandatory prayer class in, in our school where every morning we go and dove in chakras. Once we get to high school, it became more of an optional thing, right? Everyone's a bit older, more mature, bar mitzvah. They, they don't necessarily try and push the religion onto us so much. We have some religious classes, but the actual practical stuff is we're, we're left to do whatever we want more in our own regard. So once I hit grade nine and passed my bar mitzvah, I stopped praying every day because I grew up reading Hebrew, but I never really understood the words and the meaning of the prayer so much. So the prayer didn't mean too much to me. I didn't really have a connection to it. So I, I just kind of stopped doing it once they stopped forcing us. And then the classes at the high school, we had Jewish history classes and we had a couple of rabbinical classes, but they focused a bit more on just general types of mitos. Like you want to be kind to your friends and your neighbors and you want to give to charity and these are nice concepts, but they're not necessarily specific to Judaism, even though we, it is a big emphasis on a lot of the things that we do. But it wasn't anything super specific in regards to religion. So we kind of had it in the background, and we would learn, we would have our Chumash class. But in terms of the, the practical aspects of what to do, I, nothing really changed after my bar mitzvah until actually grade 12, my senior year of high school. I got to choose between Jewish history and, and ethics, and I, I took a, a Jewish ethics class, which, again, kind of more of the same. I remember we I wrote an essay on the ethics of organ donation from a Jewish halacha perspective, and don't ask me because I don't remember <laughs> what, what I ended up fuskening on, on that matter. It was just a more thought-provoking class, and we often digressed from Jewish ethics most days, and we were just talking about a lot of current events. And I would just start to daydream and come up with my own thoughts on religion and God. And I was a bit detached from the class and used it as a reflection time on, on religion itself. So I think during that time period, I, I kind of solidified my belief in Hashem. But at that point, it would still take quite a long time before I actually took any action on it. This is also the time you're thinking about college and maybe what you want to do for a career. You mentioned at this point you're in 12th grade, so you have this feeling about Hashem, this connection. You're also trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. So how do you go about picking a college and what happens next? Our school had some awareness classes in regards to gap year programs. I was at the high school, but my family is not affiliated with the Jewish community so much, so I never really gave it a second thought. And most people in the high school tend to just go straight into the university. So that's what I did. I just picked a, a university that had a good business program, which is what I studied. And I, I went off to university for four years. I went to a school called Wilfrid Laurier University in Waterloo, Ontario, which is about an hour west of Toronto. And I just didn't really think too much about Judaism for the next few years. I mean, there was a Chabad on campus that I would go to maybe once a month for meals. The rabbi was really good at trying to keep everyone connected. I would go to maybe Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur services every other year. I wasn't <laughs> so involved with things at the time. So I, I kind of just put everything on, on the back burner and didn't really think about it too much for a while. I even did a, a semester abroad in France in my third year of university. I remember it was September of probably 2013, and 
it was just the beginning of our exchange program and there were a lot of students from all over from south america and us and canada and wherever and we took a, a trip to barcelona and on yom kippur everyone decided to go out to eat at, at a spanish restaurant in order to top us and i figured you know what i felt a bit guilty but i was only going to be in spain once as, as far as i know I feel bad saying this, but I didn't really have any sense of Jewish guilt because I didn't really understand a lot of the rules in terms of what it meant to have consequences of doing certain things. I didn't feel a sense of obligation. So I ended up eating some Spanish tapas at a restaurant. But even so, I remember there was there was a Jewish girl on exchange with me from the U.S., and she ordered the shrimp paella. And, and I remember looking at that and I, I ordered the vegetarian one. And I'm like, I can't believe this person's eating shrimp on Yom Kippur. Here I am. I'm still eating on Yom Kippur. Like there's not too much of a difference. Once you're already eating, you're eating. What does it matter if it's kosher or not kosher? So that's kind of just a, a funny anecdote that stayed in the back of my mind. And Baruch Hashem, I've, I've come a, a very long way since then. <laughs> It's so funny that you went to Spain because I studied abroad in Spain during my junior year and I would eat paella all the time, but I was always allergic to fish. So there was never any fish. It was more just like the rice part of it. So I never had to deal with the fact that should I be eating shellfish or not? I'm not sure what I would have done, but it never came to that thanks to allergies. Yeah, so it happens to be that even though my family was never like kosher, kosher, we never really ate any type of food that could not be kosher, right? So we never ate pork or shellfish. That's something that I never really was exposed to so much in, in terms of my diet. So thankfully, I don't really have any type of yetz or hurrah pulling me to try any of those types <laughs> of foods. So then you come back from France, you have senior year at university, and now you start your career? Yeah, so I, I finished with my degree. I ended up staying in, in my college town for a couple of years working there. And I decide that I really enjoyed going on exchange. It was my first time ever on a plane. It was my first time really traveling anywhere. So I was always trying to think of different ways where I could continue traveling and seeing the world. And I had this brilliant idea of going on birthright. So shortly after graduating, I apply and get on this trip to birthright and make my way over to Israel for the first time. And for me, it was, again, more just a cultural type of trip, no real connection to the religion itself. But when we were at the Kotel, I did actually feel something different. I can't explain what it was, but there was something spiritually in me where I just noticed some type of difference. I could tell there was, there was something special with the land of Israel and probably something special with Judaism itself. I did feel a bit more connected, so as soon as I got home from birthright, I started dating a person who is unfortunately not Jewish, uh -oh. but I was, I was still excited about all this Israel stuff. Like I got back, I found this piece of artwork and this meaning from Judaism, and I was sharing a lot of the things I had learned on birthright with this person, even though she wasn't Jewish. So it was kind of a, a weird place where I just started to reconnect with Judaism again in some way from being in Israel, but then I come home and I'm thinking about these things and I even started to keep Shabbat a bit more, but at the same time I also go complete 180 and start this other relationship. I can't really explain what was going through my mind at that point. It seems very counterintuitive and, and illogical, but emotions often are. 
and that happened and, and we were together for two years before I broke it off and there was even one year when the rabbi in Waterloo asked if I would be able to help deliver matzah to, to the people in the Jewish community on Passover and I didn't have a car so I asked this girl if she wanted to drive around the city and <laughs> help deliver matzah and, and we did. But after a certain point, I, I realized that it was getting to be more important to me, and I, I moved on. Let's go a little deeper on the relationship for a moment. You said you were together about two years. Does that mean you were starting to have conversations about a possible future together? And if so, were there discussions about what you'd be doing religiously, given you came from two different backgrounds? Yeah, there definitely were a lot of those discussions. Her background was more Catholic, but she grew up in a similar, like, very light traditional type of environment. And at the time, she was actually atheist, didn't really want to do anything. Because of that, I think it was a bit easier for her to say, like, okay, you're Jewish, you, it's important to you, we can kind of go along with what you want to do. And she was even open to the idea of converting. However, after a while and after more discussions, I figured out that conversion to her means a very different thing than conversion to me. So <laughs> she would still want to do Christmas with her family. She wouldn't want to do any of the religious practices like, okay, we can light a menorah, we can have a seder, but like, she doesn't want to send children to, to a Jewish day school. If I want that for my children, then they can go to Sunday school for a couple hours a week. So. It would have been a conversion really in name only and, and nothing in practice. And I was growing a lot and on, on an upward trajectory and she was not really open to that. And I decided that it wouldn't necessarily work out in terms of just our value system and the way we wanted our lives to look in the future. It was kind of a, a, a bit of a slow break. We were both still in Waterloo at the time, and she was moving to a different city to continue a postgraduate degree, and I was moving back to Toronto for a new job. When I moved back to Toronto, I had a few conversations with my mom, and I told her that I wanted to continue growing and learning about Judaism. She suggested a program at Asia Torah in Toronto. They had a Maimonides program, just like intro to Judaism type of class. And it was focused a lot about like, you'd have just regular people in the community who'd come and speak about different values and character traits and how they, they lived with Judaism in their careers. When there was one speaker that came who spoke about his journey, about how he had got married to a non-Jewish person who did convert and converted, I think it was a conservative conversion. And they were doing things at a conservative level, and that wasn't enough for him. And they got divorced, and he ended up becoming a, a full Bali Tshuva and became Orthodox. So I reached out to the rabbi and got connected with the speaker, and we had a couple of conversations. And he helped push me towards coming to what I knew was the correct conclusion, but didn't necessarily know if I had the, the strength to follow through with. And I ended up breaking up with this girl, and that's kind of just the beginning of when I started to take Judaism a bit more seriously. So you start this program in Toronto through Aish, and are you thinking that you want to use this program as a catalyst to take on more in terms of your observance? Or are you still in a place of, I'm just trying to fill in educationally, philosophically what I think about Judaism? It's a mix of both. I had already come to the conclusion that Hashem exists all the way back in high school, and I never really forgot about that, and it was always at the back of my mind. 
towards the beginning of the relationship with this girl as well, I was also doing a lot of personal development just in general. I was listening to a lot of podcasts that give you tools and tips to help improve your life from health to diet and exercise and business in every which way. And because I had that Jewish background from grade school, a lot of the things I was just kind of studying on my own from a secular perspective, I found that to be very mirroring of different concepts in, in Judaism, right? So a lot of people these days are talking about technology detoxes or meditation or different diets. So you can see a lot of parallels, like we have our kosher diet, we have our prayer service, we have Shabbos. I don't know where it's from, but I remember hearing somewhere that it's very unfortunate how when people want to go and discover themselves and be more spiritual, people think of like going very extreme. You'll hop on a plane, go to India or Bangladesh or somewhere and just like live with the monks and try to just become spiritual in that way, right? And they were saying it was a shame that people go to the extreme instead of exploring their own background first. So I remembered hearing that somewhere and I decided that because I was on this journey of personal development and I knew that Judaism had a lot of similar things, that was also one of the reasons why I wanted to look into Judaism more. So it was a bit about uh, learning about Judaism from a Hashkafa perspective, but also just how to grow practically and how I can use Judaism to improve my life. As I'm hearing your story unfold, I'm getting this funny feeling you find your way back to Israel, given the impact it had originally. <laughs> so is that part of the plan of what happens after you start at Aish? It wasn't part of the original plan, but after maybe two and a half years, I think, the rabbi at Aish in Toronto, he did pitch a program for me to go to yeshiva. So I had already been working for the entire time I was in Toronto, so the two and a half years, and I had a, a good job, a good career, and he knew I wasn't just going to pick up everything, quit my job, and run off to Israel to grow. So Or Sameach had a program, and I believe they still do, where you can go, you'll work for half the day, and you'll study for half the day. So that's the program that the rabbi pitched me, which is why I went to Or Sameach instead of Aish. I decided not to do that specific program. I ended up keeping my job, and I, I worked it out with my employer. But I went to Israel, and I studied full-time at Or Sameach for four months. And it was a, a great experience. There were a lot of really good rebaim and a lot of peers who were also on a similar journey. What was the job that you had, and what was the conversation like with your boss who said, yeah, that's fine. You don't have to be here every day. You can go to Israel for four months and you can work half the day and study. Like, how did that come about? What were you doing that that conversation actually worked out in your favor? So I work as an accountant at one of the big firms, and my team actually does have a few Jewish managers and partners at the time. And they also know that companies, especially larger companies, are very hesitant to say anything about anything that has to touch on religion. So I spoke to my manager first because it would affect a very big job of his. I just kind of approached him and said, there's a program I want to do and I want to take some extended time off in the fall. And he looked up at me and he was kind of just chuckling and he just said back and like, what are you going to do? Go to yeshiva? <laughs> and they <laughs> looked back and then I said, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> and he was, he was kind of shocked, but also kind of supportive. And I told him I'd be willing to work part-time from Israel because I knew it would impact him. Um, and then when I asked for formal permission from HR, 
I didn't beat around the bush. I just said there's a religious program I want to do. It's going to be four months and I'm willing to work part-time while I'm doing it. And they never asked me anything else about it. So they kind of just, I guess, took the religious aspect and said, okay, do what you want. <laughs> That's kind of how, how it went. And when I was in Israel, I would do the full day of studying from like seven in the morning up until like seven or eight at night. And then because of the time difference, I would work from eight or 9 p.m. until midnight, which is just like the second half of the normal workday back in Canada. So it was a heavy schedule, but but thank God it, it worked out. Yeah, that, that's how the conversation went. <laughs> and what happened to you religiously while you were there in terms of your own growth and where you were holding when you went on the trip and when you got back? It was a very slow growth period, both when I was there and when I was here. I, I wasn't holding at a super religious level when I was at Or Sameach either. I was going to all these classes and I was doing my best to pray and keep kosher and with the stress of my schedule, I didn't have so much time to internalize and reflect on on what I was learning. And I think if I were to do it again, I would go and solely focus just on the shears and just focus on growing and not have any other distractions. But because of that, I think it, it probably slowed down my, my growth a bit. And then when I came back to Canada, I was working a, a lot. I was in kind of the audit season right away. So I was working 50 or 60 hours a week. And I was going out for Shabbos meals every week when I was keeping Shabbat and not working, but I didn't have so much time to continue learning throughout the week. So Shabbos was really the only type of Judaism I was able to do. I did my best at keeping up with tefillin and keeping up with praying a couple times a day, but it was a slow journey. And one of my coworkers invited me to a Shabbos meal rate when I got back, and I, I met another rabbi there. And it was great timing because maybe a couple weeks, a month after I met this rabbi, we every the world shut down and everyone went into COVID and there was nothing going on. So this rabbi reached out to me and we were learning one-on-one -on -one together for probably a year, year and a half, two years during COVID. And even though I was kind of struggling with a lot of the practicalities of what I should be doing with Judaism practically, I was at least having this weekly class of, of Judaism where I was learning Musser and I was learning about the holidays and I was learning about a lot of different things. And that kept me grounded in my Judaism. So at least I was staying at a constant level instead of just regressing backwards. Now, you said something in one of the first questions I asked you when we were talking about how you and I met that you were part of a yeshiva program. So did you do that learning during COVID and the world starts to open back up? Are you thinking about what's next after having this Kavrusa for that time period? A bit, yeah. So I was, I was actually, even to take a step back from that before COVID, I had plans to move to England for work for a summer. And I was planning of going to England, doing another few months at my company there, and then I was going to quit and go back to Israel and just study full-time. So obviously COVID prevented that from happening, but it was always kind of in the back of my mind. So once the world started to open up again, the rabbi mentioned that there's a program in New York called the Shar, where they have a lot of Balchuvas come and study and They'll allow you to work remotely and fit whatever shears can fit in your schedule. You can just attend whatever works for you. I was at the Shar in Far Rockaway in Lawrence for about a month. And then I came back to continue 
working my job in, in Toronto. And then after a, a while, I got to go on another Olami trip. So Olami is a really great Kiruv organization who just does a lot of outreach and tries to get people connected to Judaism culturally, religiously. And on one of these trips, I reconnect with Rabbi Hurwitz from the Shar, and we have a couple of discussions. And I decide that at this point, it's the summertime, and I'll have a bit more free time in my schedule. So I decide that it's the right time to go back to the Shar, and I can work remotely from there, and then fit in shears around my workday. So I did that, and I was there for probably about five or six months of the this past year. You have a chance to really focus on the learning you're in a good environment. So is this a point where your your growth can kind of move forward exponentially because you have the focus that maybe you didn't have previously in the other attempts you made at it? Practically, it, it definitely helped. I was able to keep fully kosher, fully shomer Shabbos. And with the support of the Rebbeim, I was also able to continue to learn about a lot of different halachas. Um, and we learned a lot of Gemara. So it, it definitely helped. With that support, it definitely gave me the consistency that I needed to take the next level and fully implement a lot of these practicalities of Judaism in my life. Being back in Toronto now, things are a bit different because I've not necessarily had the chance to move into a Jewish community just day to day. But for Shabbos, I have a place I can stay and I'm fully set up and I can at least keep kosher where I am. So. It's, I wouldn't use the term exponential, but it's definitely more consistent and a significantly higher level than where I've been previously. We talked about the two-year relationship that you had that you ended because of religious differences and where you were headed. So I realized I didn't even ask you since that time what's going on in your dating life or you're wanting to get married. So where are you holding there and what kind of person would you be looking for? Yeah, so right now I'm single and in the dating market. Since that initial relationship, I have kind of dated lightly here and there, and each time it's been at a higher and higher level. I, After that, I stopped dating non-Jews completely. Like, I mean, she was the, the only non-Jew I had dated, but I, from that point onwards, I only was considering somebody who was Jewish. And as I kept growing, then I kept looking for somebody who was at my level. The most recent one was a couple of years ago, and she was traditional. And after that, I kind of stopped trying to date until I was at a bit more of a steady level and knew what I wanted. Now I'm actually fully Shomer Nagia, and I am looking for somebody who is on the same type of growth journey and wants to grow up and have a family in a more yeshivish but not so stark kind of uh-huh. <laughs> uh kind of an environment. I mean, there are certain things coming from a Balchuva perspective where, although I want to do everything 100% by the book, by the Torah, and I fully believe in Hashem and fully Shomer Mitzvahs and everything, I know that there's some things like being able to travel and being a, a bit more, not as 100% insular as, as some communities are. So I, I feel like I'm a bit lighter, but still on the lighter end of the yeshivish scale. I don't really like labels, but they're good for a shorthand at least. And yeah, it'd be nice to find somebody who has a similar background or somebody who's just in a growth mindset and always trying to grow and improve and develop themselves as a person and and alongside with Hashem. I wish I could tell you that while we're talking, I'm getting text messages with offers of people want to meet you. But this this is a pre-recorded interview, so that's not what would be happening right now. But I do have a feeling that the way you're putting yourself out there and being pretty clear about 
where you are growth-wise, someone could come into your life and understand this would be the right time to continue to grow with you. So I would say my closing question to you is, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Where you're holding now and where you want to go? You mentioned getting married, starting a family. Do you think about the kind of community you want to live in and what your life is going to look like going forward? So I, I definitely see myself living in a religious environment, sending my children to from schools, being Shomer Mitzvahs. Even though I am still growing in terms of what I'm doing practically, I know that what I want my life to look like is to 100%, like I fully believe in Hashem, I fully want to keep mitzvahs and everything, and I recognize that everyone has their own journey, and some things take longer, shorter periods of time, but I can say with certainty that I have that picture of I am going to be definitely in, in an orthodox environment, and maybe one day I'll even put on a black hat. <laughs> With, with my blue shirt. It's a nice mix. Joel, I have to tell you that I fully believe and have faith that Hashem is going to help you find your way to the person you're meant to be with, the neshama that's supposed to be with you, and you're going to build the life that you just described. So let me just say thank you so much for joining me today on Saturday to Shabbos. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Saturday to Shabbos is produced by Gary Wallach. Our theme music is by Paul Uden. To learn more about us, please visit tachlismedia.com. That's T-A-C-H-L-I-S-Media.com. Tell us what you think about what you've heard, or suggest a story we should know about by emailing Shabbos at tachlismedia.com. I'm Jeff Cohen. Thanks for listening. Please check with us often for more stories of inspiring Jewish journeys. Saturday to Shabbos is a Tachlis Media podcast.